Welcome to the trials and tribulations of a 40-something. My name is Amanda and my main goal with this podcast is to share other people's journey. How they face challenges and struggles but yet turn their lives around. If this can give another person a sense of hope that they can do the same and move forward in a positive way, well then I am fulfilling my goal. Today I'm joined by Mary Kyo, the amazing lady behind Life Mastery Coaching Academy. I always talk about how very few people get through life without experiencing struggles along the way, and Mary is no exception. We chatted about her postnatal depression, how you can lose your identity as a woman when a marriage and kids come into the mix, both her son's addiction, and how she had to make the difficult decision to walk away. Mary has been very honest and upfront about the struggles she has experienced in this podcast. She is a true inspiration. Good evening, Mary. Good evening, Amanda. (laughs) And welcome to the trials and tribulations of a 40-something. Thank you. I'm very, very well. I'm very delighted, Amanda. This is all new to me, this um, new recording system. Um, But I got there. (laughs) You did. And here... If it's any consolation, it's new to me also. I'm still trying to find my, he- my head around it. <laughs> oh, Amanda, here with me. What is this here? Oh, God. But I'm on it now and that's all that matters. Exactly, exactly. So, Mary, thank you so much um, for agreeing to come on to my podcast. Um, Mary, Kyo, is it Kyo or Kyo? Kyo. 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 I was going to yeah. say Kyo and then I thought <laughs> that was maybe wrong. Um, Mary, Kyo the amazing lady behind Mary Kyo Life Mastery Coaching Academy. Um, And as I would tell any of the guests that come on, the idea and the people who listen, the idea behind this particular podcast is that, I suppose it's, you know, self-explanatory when you think of the title of it. Um, Very few people get through life without some sort of curveball or struggle. Um, But so many people, have turned their lives around in a positive way so if if other people who are listening are currently going through something difficult at the minute it gives them that kind of feeling that oh do you know what there is possibly light at the end of the tunnel um now i know you've had your own fair share of challenges and i know you're continuing to mm-hmm. um have a few and are working through some so um, if you want to have a wee, you know, start from the beginning um, and share with us where you are, what you've been through and how you have dealt with it. Yeah, probably Amanda, mine started, um, suppose I was an ongoing work in progress from the moment I was mm-hmm. born, but I didn't know that. And I did have a good enough um, upbringing, I have to be honest, and I also enjoyed life as far as one could enjoy it. I was brought up during the Troubles mm-hmm. and I had a really good life. I loved it. I was, you know, as I thought I loved it, Amanda. I loved the fun. I was game for anything. And it was mm-hmm. all in an innocent sort of way. Um, and then, you know, my dream, my passion, all I wanted to do to get married and to have children. I just wanted children. I just wanted yeah. to be a mama. 
Mm-hmm. And but I never sort of sat down and decided what kind of man I was going to have or, you know, what kind of man I wanted. So, of course, the man came along and he wooed me and he <laughs> oh, life was going to be just amazing. Uh-huh. And I probably very quickly um, early into my marriage lost my identity because okay. I I was no longer Mary, the woman. I mm-hmm. became Mary, the wife, and I attached myself very quickly to him um, mm-hmm. because looking back now, that's what my mother had done, you know, and, you know, I used to done everything for him, no matter what, you know, and I used to, th- and a lot of the time I was quite resentful mm-hmm. um, and I felt it was like having an older son that he was like the eldest in the family. That's how, you know, I, ha- but I had to take responsibility for that. I allowed it to happen and I put myself in that place. Um, I, I Did became... you realise it was happening, Mary? No, no. Okay. I just, because, because I had seen it and it was a pattern with me growing up that I see my mother done everything and my father would say, I just followed that on, mm-hmm. Amanda. Yeah. And I just thought, this is the norm. You know, you do this, you get married and you look after him and you do. I don't almost everything except wipe his behind. <laughs> um, you know, and that that's how, to the extent where I became very go- codependent on him, I became very attached to him. I lost my identity. That person that was once full of fun and laughter and loved life, very, very insecure and very needy in a way of herself. And yeah. I then became... I got pregnant and um, with my first child and that was a traumatic pregnancy, traumatic birth, and I suffered with postnatal depression. So not only had I lost my identity now, mm-hmm. I was a mommy, but I also had also labelled myself a really bad mommy that I couldn't be or do for my child, that I was so unhappy that mm-hmm. I wasn't grateful for this child. I, it was just a spiral out of um, I, I was out of control mentally, but I didn't know how to reel it on. Um, okay. And, you know, I did end up in medication and medication brought me back to a certain point, but it didn't deal with the emotions or the pains or the feelings that was within me. And okay. very quickly after that, I had. An, and at times I thought people were thinking I'm just a baby machine because everything <laughs> happened so quickly. And then I have two daughters as well. And. So all in all, I had four children quite very quickly in succession. And um, I just felt I was a robot. I have to be honest. I, I was almost, I got up in the morning, I'd done the repetitive same thing, morning, noon, mm-hmm. night. Um, it was never for me. I was always last in that pecking order. It was husband, children. Um, yeah. But then it became children and husband. And the relationship that I would have had with my husband at the start was no longer there because my children now became my attachment. They became, and I always became, um, I was always bottom of the list. Um, And I, I, in a way, looking back in hindsight, it's a great thing, Amanda. Mm -hmm. You know, I protected my child. We all want the best for our children. We want them to be amazing. We want them to love life. But in a strange way, I almost smothered mine yeah. um, because I didn't want the world to touch them. I didn't want them to get anything bad. You know, I didn't want them. I had all these lists. Don't do that and don't do that. And all these demands on these children and young uh, adolescents that 
I took them away. in cotton wool. Yeah, 100%, Amanda. I took away. I fought their battles. I paid their dues. Whatever they were on, mommy fixed it. And yeah. looked back in hindsight. And really, I deprived my children of becoming the man and woman that they should have become. Because I, I lived through their lives. I, I dictated their lives of what they could do. They had no resilience. They didn't know how to stand up for themselves. They they, they became lost in this world, yeah. a world that was unfamiliar for them because my world was Mary's world. Talk about Wayne's world. It was Mary's <laughs> world. And, you and was know, it a case uh, of they didn't have to worry because it was, like, it's all right, mummy will fix it. Yeah. Or mummy will come in and save me. Or mummy will, uh, just, just to go back a wee bit, Mary, the postnatal mm-hmm. after the first child, did, did you have it after the other the next three yeah, I or... had it with the whole three okay, but okay. because I was so busy with my other children I hadn't time but I was very very lonely and very mm. unhappy within myself I struggled to like that person I couldn't even tell you what I looked like in the mirror Amanda you know we do these automatic rituals in the morning yet yeah. we never fully look at IDI at that woman that's looking back I'd done the usual palavas that we did every day. But I knew I was very sad looking. I knew there was something missing on me. I knew that there was a void in me that was pulling me down. But I tried to pull pull that void by nurturing and treating my children with golden eggs and what nothing but the best. And lo and behold, when my boys turned 16, 18, my boys got lost in a world that I preached and preached and preached oh, that they were never yeah. to do. Your worst so nightmare. My worst nightmare had had come to pass, and both my sons are um, addicts. That's tough. But that yeah. was tough, and yeah. it was very tough because they were these were my boys, and yeah. they will be. But even that word, my boy, they weren't my boys. Okay. But I right, claim, yeah. if you understand now, I yeah. claim them as my boys. I I dictated and I done and I believed it was and I genuinely did believe it was from a place of deep love and deep nurturing, but it was nurturing for Mary. It wasn't for the better of my children in the long term. I didn't teach them resilience. I didn't teach them that they could be and do anything they wanted to be in this world, um, and they could stand in their own space and be their own mm-hmm. person and not be part of a crowd. Yet my boys seeked out that crowd to be part of because they needed to fit in somewhere. So in the fit mm-hmm. in, it was the partying, it was the drinking, and it was the drugs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my world did fall apart. Yet again, I wasn't that good mommy. Look at my two sons. They are drug addicts. They are alcoholics. The other one probably is, but he hasn't admitted it. Okay. He's still... Um, but they were my... They... they they were my beaten heart. They were my blood. Yeah. They were everything that ran through me. And I had lost my sons to the murky world of addiction. And, and that addiction and what that addiction brought into my life was, was physical abuse, mental abuse, emotional mm. abuse. And I became addicted to the addict because I became addicted to what they were doing, where they were, who they were with. And I was still trying to control even the attic at that stage. Um, and I learned after a few horrible incidents with them, which were quite detrimental to me and quite dangerous for my life, mm-hmm. that 
I hit a rock bottom. I hit the floor with a slap. And I realized that I was no longer in control of anything, Amanda. Mm -hmm. I was not even in control of myself. I had lost any kind of understanding of who Mary was. What Mary, I never knew who she was, really, because I lost, lost her a long years, time ago. Years a ago. long, long time yeah. ago. And there were this there were this constant ache in me, this constant void that I just couldn't fill. And now that my sons, I had lost them to a love affair of addiction, um, be it a very unhealthy love affair, but that was, was that's what they seeked out. And, you know, when my sons came and I looked at them and, and them in the throngs of it. How long did it take I, before you realised there was something that they were oh, addicted? At the start, I sort of thought maybe, maybe not. And then I thought you're being overprotective. You're thinking da 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 da. Now, uh-huh. the eldest son, I, I knew quite soon that he was because he was, he wanted to get out. He was aging to get out under that big bad world. I'm yeah. 18. I'm going to do when I do da 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 da. And, you know, to the fact that, you know, tattoos, like we would say, you, know, you don't really, you know, his dad, Amy would say, don't be getting tattoos, Thomas. Maybe one, yeah. No, yeah. Thomas filled himself with tattoos. It was almost, oh, I'll show you what I can do. And then, you know, I, but from a very early age, I knew Thomas was not the Thomas that I had brought up. The Thomas was yeah. changing around 15 or 16. And I did make a comment one time that I said, Thomas, you taking drugs or something? And he was highly offended, mm-hmm. but he was. But he was defensive, but he knew he, I caught him. Um. I, lo- I lost that connection with Thomas for a long time because he was lost in that murky world. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't bring him back. No matter, I tried, I took him to counselling, I took him to, um, to drug addiction centre, I took him everywhere. And there was many a time there was doors closed in our faces because there's no real help uh, as such. So I, I struggle. I, I journeyed a very lonely journey, both me and my husband. Um, doors being closed and people not wanting, you know, just they didn't yeah. have the services that was needed. My yeah. second son was the bigger shock. I okay. I couldn't believe when it was told. I knew he had been drinking quite heavily, but he was like binge drinking. He would work and he never lost it. He always worked the whole way through it with the first son didn't. And he worked and never gave me. And then it was told to me that he was uh, a drug addict, that he was addicted to cocaine and whatever. And under my world fell Mary. apart and Jeez. literally fell apart. How and do you pick yourself up after that? Like- it took me a long time. <laughs> I have to be honest. I kept looking, but I kept seeing beyond the addiction. I mm. kept seeing beyond that, which, they, which was away from me. I still held on to that son, that beautiful son, both of them that I'd given birth to. Um, mm-hmm. And then there was an incident that happened. Um, now, my second son did, after a number of years, find sobriety and clean. He's clean and sober four years. Wow. Um, doing amazing, has three Aww. beautiful sons. Aww. And he's doing so, so well. Um, my other son, he struggled. He's mm-hmm. my firstborn. I love yeah. him. Yeah. And I had a but I had it detached with love because yeah. there was an incident happened that put danger in my life. And that's when I had, I couldn't go anymore. And I had it detached with love. And people said to me, but how do you detach with love? And my understanding was of that, 
I loved him enough to let him go, to feel his pain, to know his pain, to do his pain. Yeah. And in that knowing, I never, never, ever loved him or never will love him any less. Yeah. I love him enough to step back and allow him. Demons. Mm-hmm. I was the crutch for too long. I was that crutch I fixed. Even in their addiction, I fixed. Yeah. But I made that conscious decision that I would detach with love. I love you enough, son, to let you go, to feel your pain, to, to touch your pain. and So that he can start to yeah, heal yeah, from his pain. Yeah. And he, do, he is, he's getting there. He's a, a different man from how he was maybe even two years ago. But that wasn't easy. And, you know, I know there's so many people because there is an epidemic of drug addiction amongst our young people. And I yeah. know because I deal with them almost on a daily basis, the number of women and men that that lose their child to addiction. But you know what, um, Mary? You kind of, I know this is probably ignorance on my part. When you think of people who are drug addicts or... Yeah. um are addicted to alcohol there is a part of you thinks uh, rightly or wrongly well they must have had you know a troubled childhood or whatever and clearly your sons didn't have a troubled childhood they had a mummy who you know I know you're saying that you would have done everything for them and it meant that they weren't able to have resilience and all that kind of stuff but there is a part of you thinks but how can that turn somebody into an addict like you do automatically think oh somebody had a bad childhood but it's not it just shows you it's not always because it's not always that but I do believe and I really strongly believe that behind every addict there's a story behind every drug and every glass even food there is a story behind that addiction and that story was for me was that my son's insecure and who they were they didn't know how to face the world. They didn't know mm-hmm. how to act and, you know, to have resilience, to have standards for themselves, to have values in themselves. They wanted so much to be like, to be part of this culture, okay. this world that's out there, that it was the only way they could fit in was mm-hmm. to have that drink or to have that drug that gives them this fault. I'm okay here. I fit in here. And it's like not, confidence kind of thing. Yeah, it's the confidence. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the, that's only short term. That's only a quick fix. That yeah. fix is short lived. And the more that they want to be out there and do it, the more they, they lean towards this drug. And the more they come down from that drug or that alcohol, the more they need that to function, to get through, to, yeah. to live each day. It is such a vicious circle. And, you know, it is, I, I'm a firm believer behind every drink, behind every drug, behind every food, whatever your addiction may be, yeah. Amanda, because yeah. we all have some form of it yeah. somewhere. <laughs> there is a story behind it. There is a reason why they have died. Um, and, you know, I work with young people, one young man in particular, and, you know, he's clean and sober now, seven weeks coming. Um, yeah. But behind that drug, and behind that alcohol, there was a story to be told of how insecure, how unhappy, how sad, how lost, how afraid mm-hmm. he was in life. And the only way, the only thing that could drown and take away that pain, the alcohol and the drugs. But the alcohol and the drugs 
became his master. Right, okay. That was they his become master. like his crutch yeah. kind of yeah. thing. Okay. They became, they mastered his day. So the minute he was coming down from the high, the back of his whole head, the old subconscious saying, you need more, mm-hmm. you need more, you need to go and get more. So he allowed his sub- subconscious, his habitual behaviours and all those things that we take along board to dictate how he should love his life. And hence his his subconscious created his day for him. And then mm-hmm. that creating of that day was the master, the alcohol or the drugs or whatever your addiction may be. Um, and for us, you know, I do believe we're looking at an epidemic of our young people being lost to that yeah. because we are now in a world where our young women have to be perfect. They have to look perfect. Mm-hmm. They have to dress perfect or they do not fit in. They yeah. don't fit in. And they feel totally rejected, totally insecure in who they are. Hence, we have um, problems with bulimia, with addiction among our young women. Like we have addiction, it's mainly men. Yeah. It's showing now that, you know, women are outriding that thing. They are, they are becoming, they're overriding men on this. Because really? women hide it so well. We have house drinkers. And women function, can function quite well as long as they're constantly topped up by alcohol. Um, it Jeez. is really sad. It, it, it is really sad. So disturbing, you know. isn't it? And it's, Mary, it's, you see, whenever you said that whenever your your second son, when you find out that he was also an addict, that was just mm-hmm. that how, was how did you, at that stage, how do you pick yourself up? What, what did you do then to get you sort of that you can then function and start to live your life again so for me i i did really struggle amanda i really i I became very withdrawn i and i'll be honest death looked kinder to me i had failed my two sons i had failed again in being a mother and you know i at one stage i thought i'd be better off out of this people would get Mm -hmm. on with their lives i'm just a hindrance and then i I looked and I have two beautiful daughters. Yeah. And I thought, don't be so selfish. You have to do this for them. If you're not going to do this for yourself, do it for them. Mm-hmm. But the ironic thing about it was that I had to do it for me first, Amanda. Yes. yes. And I had to go on a personal And that journey wasn't nice. That mm-hmm. journey was hard. That journey was unraveling and stripping Mary right back to the core of her bones. And rebuild it and creating a Mary that Mary loved and Mary was happy with. Now, that mm-hmm. doesn't Yeah, I, I love who I am today, but that doesn't mean to say I am perfect per se, because if I come with that mindset, I am perfect, then, you know, you're definitely not perfect, Mary. You're, you're yeah. living yeah. on your ego. And yeah. I do believe that we're novices on this journey of life. We're always learning. We may have a plane sailing for a while and then there'll be a wave that'll come and knock us off our boat and we will have to start again. Yes. Um, and I, I find that for me, my journey began with Mary, the woman that, look, that looked back at me in the mirror, that woman mm-hmm. that I could not look at for years, that I began to look at that woman and realise that woman has the answers to all my pains, hurts, joys, freedom. She will have my back no matter what. She yeah. will pick me up when I'm down. And that was Mary, the woman Mary, the I that is me, 
not mm-hmm. the wife or not the mother. And then I began, I began an inward journey. I went on to my inner, as I call it, my inner workshop. And <laughs> I began to dismantle those parts of me that I didn't like, like my insecurities. I'm not enough. My, I hated how I spoke. I was so insecure when I came to company. Like if I was in company, Amanda, I was looking to see how long I would have to stay here. Who would I have to talk to? I can't really talk to them. I'd become very, very anxious and I'd be twisting. My finger would get twisted and twisted and twisted. I would nearly lift the skin off it and sweat in my hands. That's how how much I had lost my identity. Because my identity was based on my husband and my children, not a Mary, Mary the woman, Mary the I that I am today. And, I and was began... it a case of, sorry for putting a question here, was it a case right. of because, as you say, your identity was on your, your husband and your kids, would you have found yourself when it came to maybe a, a decision that had to be made or somewhere to go or is something even what to pick for dinner or some even wee small, small things, would you have found yourself always checking with him first? Or would you not all not all the time now we dinners and things like that it doesn't bother me but see big things or even say you know even things to do with the boys it came to a point yes. where I wouldn't say to him because mm-hmm. I didn't like what way he was going to be or how he was going to say it and again that was me hiding that that yeah. open secret that everybody knew you know everybody outside of me knew but we didn't know and then my husband's right why wasn't I told why didn't mm-hmm. people tell me so really you know in a way, I, I took a lot of this on my own, thinking mm-hmm. that I'm protecting my sons, but I wasn't really. I was only their crutch because they knew mommy wouldn't say to daddy because they knew yes. mommy say to daddy. Daddy would lose the plot and daddy yeah. would just tell a few. So in that when way, I, 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 I really did lose myself, Amanda. I really, yeah. I do like simple things like going on holidays or doing, what do you think? What do you yeah. think? Yeah. Me making that decision. Yeah. Um, and it was always expectations. Expectations is a horrible thing. You know, I, I expected my husband to make me happy. I expected him to know when I was unhappy. I came from a place that I thought marriage was fairy tales and fluffy clouds. And how <laughs> so unrealistic was that? <laughs> you know, when Were you're you watching plunk- too many movies, Mary? You oh, you just have this question. Oh, God, it's going yeah. to be lovely. It was like a Rocky Horror movie for me, Amanda, and I'll just be honest. Smiling lovingly at each other and skipping through fields. Oh, oh, and you're beautiful and you're amazing. What a load of cow's wallop. You know, what it was that, I don't know. I I remember thinking, what have I done? What? Mm -hmm. I was so carefree and and I just picked up the step by step by step of my mother and how she done and she was an amazing amazing beautiful woman and and that's mm-hmm. why my academy and it's for women is in honor of the woman that she was mm-hmm. um because she did her best she nurtured us she she was always there for us but she was never there for herself yeah. and you know i i Oh, how things turn around, Amanda. After I worked and I done and I really started working on me, started mm-hmm. to believe that, you know, I was worth working on, that I was worth 
becoming that woman that I crave to be. We've always this vision of what we want to be and how we want to be. And in the back of my mind, that was still there. And I started to bring her to the fore because the woman in the mirror was screaming out, let me help you. Let me guide you. Let me show you what you can be. Mm-hmm. And I had to start trusting Mary. And I had to stop blaming. I had to stop blaming my husband. I had to stop blaming my son. And I had to stop blaming myself. Yeah. Because when I began to stop that, I began to feel this freedom. And one mm-hmm. of the big things that I really done in my process was right out at the beginning of this, who I was, the pains, the hurts, the joys, the sadness, all that had carried through me from a very early age, right through, Mm -hmm. that had created really who I was. Because in a strange way, I was still thinking from that process of who I was and who I was becoming from the masters or the teachers that were my parents and the peers that I had encountered through my childhood right up on their adulthood. Mm -hmm. So my self-image wasn't really one of real confidence. If there was a neediness there, there was a wanting to be liked, to be loved. Mm -hmm. And yet I was loved, but there was something lacking. And when I began then to heal that broken child that was Mary, because there was a real broken wee girl inside me that was crying out to be loved to behold to be nurtured and I I visually seen myself doing that and lifting that small child and really hugging her and telling her she was okay she was safe and physically seeing myself put her under my heart and I carry her with me because she's part of me she's part of Mary but now I'm protecting that broken hurt little child because now I'm healing that child and I am becoming, I am becoming that woman that I always wanted to be, that I love to be. She's nothing like amazing or she's just me, Mary. Mary, the woman that loves life, that loves Mary. I loved me back to life. I love life. I love what it has to give me. Life owes me nothing. I love mm-hmm. so much in that victim role. They did this and they did that. I made and those choices. because of it's because of this that happened and all that there but Mary did you find that do you know whenever sometimes when you do start to do um work on yourself whether it's yeah. through, you know personal development work and all that kind of stuff that it can change the dynamics of existing relationships because oh yeah you start to change yeah 100 I now speak my voice Mm-hmm. I would have shut my mouth to keep no peace. Take no, shut your mouth, say nothing, just let it yeah, go. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't do that anymore. Yeah, friends that I may have thought were friends weren't friends, mm-hmm. um, and that changed my relationship with my husband. Changed. Um, mm-hmm. We actually are closer now than we ever have been, and mm-hmm. that is because I'm no longer attached to him. I no mm-hmm. longer look for him to make me happy. I have no expectations of him. And also my husband's a very old man now. So, mm-hmm. you know, he he has terminal cancer and we're journeying that journey with that as well. You know, and, and that journey, and you know, I now know that funny last night I was at home and Sean went to see somebody for two hours a while anyway. And the realization that you know this is going to be my life, mm-hmm. like the girls were out and I was in the house on my own, and yeah. this realized, and a real sadness came over me, yeah. and I thought 
this is the reality of what's coming. But mm-hmm. do you know what? That would have really doubt me. And, you know, I just said, you know what, Mary, we'll face that when it comes. When it happens. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay too. It's knowing, and this is why I'm so passionate about women fighting their space and fighting who they are, that you are not attached to no man or no thing. Yes. You are your own woman. You have a right to be happy. You have a right to experience the beauty and the pleasures of this world on your terms, on your oh, terms. Absolutely, 100%. And it's it's something, I know we have talked about this before, that women, for some reason, once they get married or into a relationship, but not necessarily married, but if they're in a, like a long-term yeah. relationship, it is as if it's like just a switch that they go from being the person, whether Mary or Amanda or whoever it may be, that you lose they, your they identity. Lose it. And it's something that you need. Women have to understand, don't don't lose who you are. You Because a year will pass. And even, as I said, I know it might seem something small, like deciding on where to go on a holiday or whatever. But then those wee small it things start to become bigger and bigger yeah. and bigger. And then you become this person that as you have said as well like you become the wife and the mother and but there's so much more to just don't lose who you are and 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 it's it's so true you know amanda you know like and there's a woman come to me and they they really have they really you know i'll ask you know what is your value on yourself how do you value yourself they they haven't a clue me amanda Mm. I am priceless. I am unique. You are Man, a queen, woman, Mary. Our thing can buy me. And I don't say that in a cockiness or no. whatever. And mm-hmm. it's up to me to make that the best life that I can be. I am responsible for only me. I'm not mm-hmm. responsible for any other. But if you're a young mother, you are responsible for those children until they yes. reach a certain age. Now. I was my child's first master. I was my child's first teacher. I was those mm-hmm. eyes that when they came under this world. And yet I struggled to allow them to be because I didn't know who I was. So if I didn't know who I was, how can I create that space and place where my children can grow in a free spirit way? Mm-hmm. With also, and I do believe, Amanda, there there has to be boundaries and there has to be there's rules within a home that keeps it ticking over. Um, yeah. My boundaries maybe probably were quite harsh. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there was no breaking of them. You know, you broke them, you faced the consequences. But I do believe, now I look back and I believe there's a way of nurturing and growing and developing our children. And it's handing back to them the responsibility of making their decisions that they feel they're making that decision for themselves. So that when it comes, then I'll say, oh, but you told me to do that. You you pushed me to do that. Mm-hmm. It's like handing the power uh, in a simplistic way back into them and giving them a voice and giving them a say in who they are and what they want to be. You know, sometimes as parents, we almost love our misspent youth or time yes, through our children. And yeah. that is so wrong. You know, we want them to go to university. We want them. They may not want to go to university. There may be something more in their lives that's for them. But we condition them under that that, that wee box. 
you go Absolutely. to university because yeah. that's where I wanted to go. But so I want you yes. to go to prove I to people. I want you to live yep. your life yep. through me. Can I ask yep. you a wee question, Mary? You've yep. four kids, did you say you have? Yep, four kids um, and three grandchildren. I have three kids and I notice, and it's something that particularly um, James, he's my eldest and then Emma and then Aoife, that James and Emma will kind of say to me, that I would be a lot less lenient. No, yeah, I'm not as strict <laughs> with Aoife <laughs> yeah. as I would have been with them two. Yeah. James, I probably, because he was my first, and you know when it's your first and you haven't a yeah. fucking clue what you're doing and Green you're trying point. to follow everything, everything by the <gasps> book. And it has to, you know, the rules and the boundaries mm-hmm. and the all these things. Mm-hmm. And you go fucking a wee bit stir crazy and you become yeah. OTT. Mm-hmm. And I would have been just a ball of stress with him. And it felt as if all I did was shout at him all the time. It was constantly, <laughs> no, James, no, James, no, yeah. no, 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 no. And then there was one day, and I've talked about this before, that he was, I can't even think what age he was, but he was explaining or describing people and you had to guess who he was describing and he was talking about different ones and then he came to it was my turn and I didn't know it was me and he says well this person she's always cleaning and she's always shouting and I <laughs> swear Mary it was like a knife in my heart that I thought is yeah. that how my son just sees yeah. me as somebody who shouts all the time and cleans all the time mm-hmm. so it was like a wake-up call that I thought right I need to stop fucking getting to from zero to a hundred in seconds I'm gonna have to because I always my temper was not one mm-hmm. of my more endearing qualities so <laughs> I realized I realized that doesn't work so then by the time it came to Emma I had mellowed slightly but by the time it came to Aoife my way now is a totally different way of dealing yeah. with things did you find as you yeah. went down with to your daughter saying that you did kind of change your approach? Oh, 100%. Like my first son was, don't do this, Thomas. I had such mm-hmm. expectations, potty yes. training. He was potty trained at two, even though he wasn't ready. But I made sure he was potty trained at two. <laughs> he was in bed at a certain time. Oh, if he missed yeah. his top, Routine. I changed that top. It was just oh. this automatic yeah. robot. And my second son was more or less the same but not as tough mm-hmm. then the, when it came to the two girls Rosa was she was Rosa she was just a beautiful easy going but then she was a different sex she was a different you know yeah. she was just pretty and when it came to Emma like there was nobody Emma just does what <laughs> Emma had it you know she was but I always believed that Emma was sent to me for a reason because yeah. I had no intentions of having any more children after Rosa and yeah. Emma was just a gift but I totally get that I used mm-hmm. to go you know when they came in for Thomas when he came in from homework I would say I don't know how to will you not listen to the teacher today did you not sit down and listen to that teacher today oh. and right and then mm-hmm. you know why I was saying that Amanda because I had no clue what was in front of me exactly yes it, so it, I was putting that back yeah. on that poor child. Are you stupid? Yeah. Are you not? What were you doing in school today? And oh. when I look back, and those are the things I look back at, and I thought, oh my God, he was just an innocent little child looking for my approval. Feeling. Yeah, it is. Because you feel so fucking guilty because yeah. you're thinking, if I could do it all again, yeah. the change. Hindsight's a great thing, Amanda. Hindsight, you know, if I could do it all again, oh my God, I, mm. I think I would be a free spirit. Um, yeah. because you have no problems you know you just let yeah. them flow 
life hasn't always like that. We get curveballs. We learn mm-hmm. by our mistakes. Unfortunately, those mistakes may involve our children where we yeah. learn and that learning process. Did I look? Yeah, Thomas, Thomas got, the, you know, I wanted this son. I wanted to get his 11 plus. I wanted him to go to college. I wanted him to go to uni. Went to college, went to all that, came to uni. Nah, no, not going yeah. to. He, he became rebellious then at that stage. Yeah. And there was no turning back. But you know what? I nurtured that. I put that under him. Get this done, mm-hmm. that done. Were you not listening? Um, hurry up, get hand potty trained. You get hand potty trained. It was just like yeah. a robot constantly ticking off lists of what this child should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. Do I feel sad? Sometimes I really do feel sad. Yeah. I feel sad yeah. that I didn't. And, and that's okay. That's okay. I know that today. Does it make it any easier? No. Doesn't make it no. any easier, Amanda, when you look at your son and you look and you think, if I had this all to do again, I, I would do this so different. And that's why, you know, when I mm-hmm. speak to young mothers, you know, I'm so adamant. Allow them to dream, allow them to do, yeah. allow them to be whatever they want, because life is so short. It is yeah. so, so short. And we only have them for a short time, only a short time. And life goes by very, very quickly. And they, I always come now from a place of, you know, always tell them they're amazing even mm-hmm. when they're struggling you're amazing you're brilliant you're proud of you even if they might have last in the class i'm still proud of you you've yeah. done amazing yeah. doing that you're creating a real resilience in them i can be and do whatever and to watch that unfold on a child like i had that with my youngest daughter my youngest daughter had cerebellar dysplasia where the cerebellar at the back of her brain didn't develop right so she has real difficulties with memory with Mm -hmm. um balancing and functioning and short term all there's a whole pile but i i kept saying you're amazing emma you're Mm -hmm. amazing you'll do they told her she would be nothing she would be lucky if she got um city and girls you know she'd be going my daughter ended up with nine gcse she ended up with three a levels and (laughs) she is now doing a, a foundation degree which hoping to take her on to nursing and you know Amanda <laughs> that was the change the change was yeah. I kept telling her you're amazing you are absolutely brilliant you can be anything you want to be Emma yeah and she and that had belief. that yeah and it mm-hmm. works Amanda I had it from one extreme and then I went to the other and you know Emma was being told no like Emma left primary school and Emma couldn't couldn't read or write properly and that's how really? bad it was she was like a P2 reading or reading was terrible. But I'm telling you, I kept, Emma, you're amazing. See, no matter what you decide in life, you're going to be amazing at it. And don't you let anybody tell you that you can't do it. You can do it. Yes, and she and... did. And I think there was a bit of resilience. And I'm going to. Yeah. No, it didn't come easy. She had to work really hard for it. But the work ethic was there. And she knew that she could do it. And I believe if we come from that place of, you're amazing, you you really can be and do whatever. How different our children will be. Oh, absolutely. So, Mary, the the academy, the Life Mastery mm-hmm. um, Coaching Academy, that yeah. was, that's obviously something you got into then after your journey that you had found mm-hmm. Mary again. Mm-hmm. I began that I done a life coach um, cert- certificate in life coaching. And I began then telling my life experience, Amanda, and showing people and, and letting people into my world, into Mary's world, 
And Mary's world prior, the Mary that was and the Mary that is are two completely. I let yeah. them see the Mary that was, the broken Mary, the insecure Mary, the Mary didn't know who she was. And I allowed them to see the Mary that is today. And mm-hmm. the reason I do that is because we, within us, we all have that Mary within us that's ready to burst, that can be the best version of themselves. But we need guidance on it. We need to be guided step by step. We need to in our workshop, we need to be given the tools we need to remodel to all and to rebuild the woman that we want to be. Um, You know, I run the mindful mind, the mindful body, the mindful parent, the mindful woman, the mindful age gap and that I I have under that umbrella. I also I also train the trainer. I train life guides the tips and the tools um what they need to be authentic life guides that they speak from a place of authenticity of realness that people see oh my god they were there and now they have done this please show me. yeah and they will take them on that journey there's signposts for all of us and every aspect of our life amanda it's the signposts that we decide which one are we taking yeah that, that as long as makes- and sometimes yep. you don't even see the signposts. No, You're so you caught up in mm-hmm. the silly, well, I, I don't mean the silly stuff, but the things that don't really matter. You're so caught up in them that you don't see we make what's important. So complicated. Yeah. So, so complicated. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Life is so, so simple. It is so, it's that simple we miss it. We miss the simplicity of life because we're always looking out. We never come from a place from inside out. When you start to live a life from your inner self mm. out, then you look at life in a whole different way. I do believe there's something more powerful within us. There's a higher self in me that I connect with now. And that is the woman in the mirror that looks back at me. I walk hand in hand with her today because she is my beacon of light. She's the one that's saying, no, Mary, don't go that way or don't go that way. We have intuition. Mm. We have all these amazing things. And, you know, this gut feeling. Yeah. I had many a gut feeling, but I never went, well, opposite direction. <laughs> and then when it <laughs> happened, I thought, why didn't I listen to my gut? Your gut is your automatic connection to tell you to be, be aware there's something not right here. Yes. And trust. But we trust your 100. Yeah. It, your gut feeling will never take you to a place that is dangerous or not good for you. It'll always take you to a safe harbour where it knows you're meant to be there. But we always err yeah. on the other. We always listen to further up than, yeah, than I thought. True. So Mary, did it take long? You know, the way when you're saying about looking at the, your reflection and, you know, you, you love who you are now. Did it take you long to get... And I know probably it is an ongoing thing, but yep. to get from because you know why sometimes people might feel, oh, do you know what? It's actually easier to just fucking live this miserable life rather than strip back years of trauma or loss or challenges or whatever, rather than you know cutting it back or yeah. taking yourself back to the beginning and working on that. Sometimes it's easier just to to keep on going with how crap mm-hmm. life may feel at the minute did it take you long to be able to look at the reflection of yourself and like who was looking back no 
It didn't, Amanda, because I made that conscious decision that I was tired being the woman that I was. Mm-hmm. I was tired loving the life that I was loving. I was not loving. I was existing. Yeah. I was not feeling the joys or the happiness or all those things that should have been so natural to me. I was always feeling the opposite of that. And when I began, I grabbed it with both hands and I worked and I, I listened and I educated myself and I began to love me back to life. There's still a lot of loving to do. I'm not yeah, perfect, yeah. Amanda. I struggle, as you see. I struggle with eating. I have a problem with food. Like uh-huh. I could eat everybody inside of me and come back for something you've left behind. That, but you're that, taking that, the steps, Mary. I yeah, I'm the taking the steps. I have decided that, and I'm not on my own, and this is the reason why I, I went public with this, because yeah. I know there is so many women out there and men who struggle with a really unhealthy relationship with food. The mm-hmm. messages that I have got is unbelievable. Um, and so if my journey can help one person or two yeah. persons, people change their their perception on food, mm-hmm. start to start to take control of them. Instead of the food controlling them, they're yeah. going to take their power back. Will it be easy? Nothing that's won is ever easy. Nothing mm-hmm. that we desire is never easy. But if you're willing to work towards it, I can guarantee you will feel free. You will feel that you have achieved another level in your living and you're becoming of who you are. And you'll not give it away as handy the next time. So that's, that's why so I, I have done that, <laughs> you know, because we lose ourselves mm. in the rat race that is life. And yet when we sit back and we begin to unravel, the simplest the of life mm-hmm. is so beautiful and easy to manifest and have. Yet we always go on the opposite of comp- complicated um, <laughs> you said distractions. Overcomplicate everything. Everything, everything. <laughs> and, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And probably that's what I learned the most of. My biggest thing was mind my own business, mind me. Yeah. And when I'm minding me, then I'm on my path. I'm on my my journey in life. I'm not Mm -hmm. stepping in the, you know, a great saying, not my monkey, not my circus. What's going on in people's lives? It's none of my business. But I'd have been jumping on. I'd have been trying to fix Mary, fix it. I called me. I tried to fix everybody. The one that needed fixed the most was Mary. The bit of that jigsaw that was missing was me and my life. And that was a great realization. Am I in a journey? Forever be on a journey mm-hmm. until the day I close my eyes. Um, days I'll get it and days I won't. But that's the journey of life. And Mary, if somebody who's listened to this is currently either going through a difficult time, particularly with maybe kids that are having that have an addiction, or they're they feel right, there's something. I think my son or daughter could possibly have an addiction. What steps would you advise that they take? So first and foremost, and, I, and I've, I'm funny you say that, Amanda, I have about five, five um, parents in the past three weeks with children mm-hmm. that um, have... Me, I speak authentic. I speak how I had to do it. I had to detach with love. I had mm-hmm. to allow them to feel their pain, to be their pain, to do that because I was only adding to their pain because 
no matter who's addicted within your family, the whole family's addicted. Doesn't yeah. matter what it is, the whole family suffer. So I had to step away in order, in order to be the change in my home. I had to step away from the addict. I stepped away with love. I didn't step mm -hmm. away with hatred or with anger. I stepped away with genuine love for my mm -hmm. child because my child had to find and do whatever he had to do. I couldn't force him to be all that. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. I paid drug debts. I paid everything. It didn't mm -hmm. work, Amanda. All I know is that I lost myself in that set world of addiction. So I had to step back into me because mm -hmm. I also had my two daughters. I, I, I had a family still there. And I realized I had to be that change. And, and being that change, I had it detached with love, albeit it was very hard mm -hmm. from my sons. And I began... Did he understand, does he understand now that it was necessary for you to do that? Or is there a part of him that would be like, mommy, I can't, I don't understand why you did that, why you... Do you know what I mean? Like you were, you know, it's you know, like <laughs> he'd say to me, you know, wake about two years ago. Oh, I, I mean, you help everybody and you kind of help your own son. Yeah. I says, sorry, son. Yeah. <laughs> I says, everybody helps themselves. Mm -hmm. I says, I only guide them. I says, it's up to them what they do with that guidance that I give them. I says the same way I give you guidance and you decide to do whatever you want to do. And yeah. Now, funny you said that a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, you know, you used to say to me, you know, Thomas, you have to do this for yourself. I can't do this for you. You have to admit and you have to be the change in yourself. Yeah. He says, you were so right. Oh, Mary. You were so right. And <laughs> for any parent, and I know there's so many parents out there. And as much as you want to fix your child, your addict child that has, has been lost to drugs or alcohol, you can't. No. You can't. That is their journey. They must know that they, if they want change, they have to ask. They have to ask, Amanda. Absolutely. It, it, and do you know, whenever, not that I, I, I know, but I imagine that when it comes to an addict, if it's everyone else around them trying to fix them, what that way rather than them actually wanting to fix themselves, it has to come from deep inside. That way, you know. They genuinely want to fix themselves or change how 100%. their life is going. 100%. You're so right, Amanda, because see, every time us as parents try and fix that child, that broken child, remember this. You are giving those, those young addicts the free hand to master you, to master mm -hmm. your home, and they dictate how you are going to be in your life because their disease is cunning and crafty and manipulative mm -hmm. and they're lost to that disease. So they will do anything and there will be violence and there will be aggression because mm -hmm. we have given ourselves over to their addiction. We have mm -hmm. become part of it. So their addiction now is mastering us as well. Yeah. So it definitely, like it, I know, and the, it, they probably tug at the heartstrings as well like yep. with the son saying oh you'll help everyone else but not yep. me <laughs> That's and only I was in a good place and only yeah. I had done what I had done that I felt okay with that and I really felt mm -hmm. you really know you have to do this yourself 
because you see that there is people that is changing and doing and becoming the best version of themselves. But you don't really, you don't want to make that choice to leave that and say no more. You're still addicted to it. And he is still addicted. Um, And I have to allow him to be there because I can't allow myself to lose me anymore and to that crazy, mad, senseless world of addiction of drugs and alcohol because it destroys me and it destroys my family. It destroys my environment. And I love. So you see the way your your um both of your sons, like Thomas, the oldest one, would he yep. at any stage to your other son, would he like, but then again, it goes back to, he has to help himself. Would there be times that Thomas, because he has, he has been the addict. Yeah. That he would try and guide and things that helped him or is it yeah. a case of, you know, it would, but they path? have to be ready. Yeah. I can, and Amanda, I took, I took them everywhere. I paid thousands to get them and it to no avail that it worked mm. so you know in grace I stand in grace and in love I allow you to be and do but now I must step aside and yeah. I must be the change and I was the change Amanda I was the change in my home because I began to marry I began mm-hmm. to love me back to life again I began to detach that no longer served me and did it always work of course it didn't always work I used mm-hmm. to eat that banana out like the hokey pokey and now down out <laughs> and sometimes I would still be like that but yeah. that's okay that's that we are but it's knowing and becoming aware that I don't have to stay there that there is another with everything we do there is an opposite so yes it's a way of changing and turning and you can't make somebody change and turn unless they really desire and want it. Well, that's so true. And Mary, unfortunately, as you said about your husband, how mm-hmm. how do you, like, that's a huge curveball. Um, yeah. Uh, how do you remain, up, I don't know if upbeat's the right word, but, you know, how do you keep getting through each day? Um, because of who I am today, Amanda, yeah. I'm not attached to Sean anymore. I love Sean mm-hmm. for the man he is. Yeah. Um, I don't see him as somebody that's going to fix me or create me or be me. or I don't see all that neediness anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, this is Sean's journey. Yeah. This is Sean's journey to wherever it may take him, Amanda. But mm-hmm. I do know that I can't walk that journey for him. But mm-hmm. I can accompany him on that journey. And I can that person, that woman that can hold him when he's down, can Mm -hmm. feed him when he can no longer feed himself, that can clean and wash him when he can no longer do that for himself. And Mm -hmm. I made that promise to him that I would journey this path with him until Mm -hmm. he could journey no more. And Mm -hmm. that's that's my purpose. That's that's my that's where there's three words in my life, compassion, forgiveness and love. And that's compassion is so Um, he is a child of God he has come to a point in his life where he's at a crossroads now and we don't know which way this is going to go Um, Mm. but I can't walk it for him 
Yeah, and that's, you know, and as you say, with the work that you have done on yourself that has got you to this place yeah. that you know. Um, and that and it doesn't is take away. Time, is it? Yeah, and it doesn't take away the pain and the, no. the emptiness because when sickness comes on between a couple, there's a whole new dimension that comes under that relationship. There's a whole mm-hmm. new, probably detachment in a way, the detachment and the attaching, the letting go and the not letting go, the knowing and the not knowing. There's so many confusions. Like, I'm looking at a life partner that's facing death. Mm-hmm. Um, where I go, I, I, I don't know, Amanda, you know, I can't say to you, oh, I'll be fine. I don't know how I will yeah go through this but i yeah. do know that we're all going that way sean's yeah. going sooner maybe than he has to but hopefully yeah. not too soon but yeah. we're all going to journey that amanda and that i said okay with death doesn't scare me i don't fear it it's the letting go of what we know on this earth is mm-hmm. the big thing for me yeah. but we'll visit together and what's to be we will journey it together and that's the thing, like, as you said, it's the one thing in life we are all guaranteed. Yep. But so many people get so kind of caught up in the oh, death, death, death or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they forget to actually live. To live. Yeah. <laughs> so right, Amanda. So like, and like Sean has a great outlook, you know, I'll keep going until the fat lady sings. <laughs> and, you know, that is, and he'll keep saying that. I've never once, he might say to me quietly, but I never once anybody says, I'm doing really well. I'm doing good. I have never heard him saying any other um, because his attitude, why should I bring somebody else's vibration down? Yeah. You know, I'm good. I'm here. I, I've got another day and everything's OK. Yes. And that's a every day is a is a blessing and is a bonus. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100 percent. It has been an absolute joy to chat to you. You are an amazing lady. Um, I wish you continued success with your academy which i have no doubt you have made so many changes to so many people and will continue to do that um also i wish you good luck on your uh your healthy living lifestyle (laughs) (laughs) i should be watching thank you yeah and hopefully we will see results in the next number of weeks (laughs) oh we i have absolutely no doubt and i wish you health and joy and happiness and um as i said it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you and to you amanda thank you so much thanks mary thank you amanda bye Don't forget to like, follow and subscribe. And remember, if talking about it has got you thinking about it and you would like to share your story, get in touch. Until next time, take care.